Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. G'day, welcome to Better Make It Quick. I'm Osha Ginsberg. Thanks for being here. This is the quick version of Better Than Yesterday, which is a tri-weekly podcast guaranteed to help your day become better than yesterday. Something you hear on every single show is guaranteed to do just that. We've been here since 2013. I'm Osher. I'm a TV host. I'm an author. I'm a dad. I am currently have four electrodes strapped to my body and a small night volt battery is pumping electrical signals uh, across my muscles as a uh, drug-free form of pain relief. It's called a TENS machine and it is glorious. And uh, yeah. I'm grateful you're here, grateful you're part of the show. This show has been going since 2013. There are hundreds and hundreds of interviews. And in the last few years, we've brought on way more people onto the team to help us make the show as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And one of those people is uh, Bree Steele. And Bree's been helping a lot with research and stuff. And I said, well, Bree, why don't you, you know, go back and check a couple of episodes that are interesting to you and we'll bring them up out of the vault. And we'll play a few bits and hopefully people will go back and have a listen. And so you're listening to a bunch of episodes that Brie reckons are tip bloody top. And I could be more happy because she's listening with her ears and I'm stoked to get back and listen to these because it's just fantastic to hear them again. So every Wednesday, there's a shorter version of the show. We call it Better Make It Quick. And today we are revisiting my conversation with Australian Olympian Rachel Nalen. She's a professional road cyclist and represented Australia at the Rio Olympics in 2016. She's won silver at the World Championships in the women's road race. No mean feat. Now, Rachel has not taken a conventional path to becoming a professional cyclist. In fact, cycling was definitely not her first love. The athletics was my absolute passion. I started running around an athletics track at the age of eight, under eights, Dunbar Park at Ride little grass track, and I just absolutely loved it. Jeez. I never won a race until... When you're uh, eight, it takes you 10 minutes to get around it. <laughs> it's huge when you're Oh, eight. it's huge. And I was, I was tiny. I had this, like, scrawny little egg beater running style. My legs were, like, popping out, like, all directions, and I couldn't control. I had no muscles whatsoever. I couldn't control myself. And um, I was a bit of a battler, you know, to be honest. That's a good word for it. I was born backwards. 
So the early days, bum the early first. days, bum first. Yep. You were born bum first. Yeah, entered the world bum first. <laughs> <laughs> so which, let's be honest though, let's be honest, which up until, well, it's probably still a pretty dangerous way to come into the world. That's a, you know, it can be. Yeah, I scared the crap out of my mum and dad. Yeah. But I think it was, um, it was a good start. Like, you know, I didn't have anything easy from early on. And whether you call that, you know, a metaphorical mm. start or whether it was actually something that was became ingrained, I'm not sure. But <laughs> from then on, I was, I was but, a fighter. But your folks were, uh, your folks were the, the, uh, the taxi service on the weekends? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I'm one of five, so... Holy moly! It was not a taxi service. It was an Excel spreadsheet, or back in the day, two lots of A4 paper and a biro on a Friday afternoon to plot out the 17 activities with five children and one car <gasps> and the carpooling and the dropping off here and there. And it was, it was an operation. Five it was children extraordinary. Is, five children is more than one car. What kind of car have you got? Oh, it was a, you know, growing up in the 80s and the early 90s, it was a Toyota Tarago. Oh, right. Us. So you had the Ragi. Okay. <laughs> the Rago. At least yeah. you had the Ragi because... Yeah, we had the we had the Mitsubishi L three hundred. I'm one of four boys, and our grandma lived with us, so there was uh, seven of us. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah that spreadsheet boy. Well, we've only got one, and even then, on the weekends, uh, there's a lot of talk about who's going what where. And... But back then, you know, it was it was such a community. Like we we'd all pitch in and help each other out, and there was carpooling, and there was. You know, the families got together and made it happen. Yeah. So Little Athletics was um, – most of my other siblings did it for, for a while until they got sick of it and, and chucked it in. But a lot of the time it was a, a family affair going out there. And I remember at the age of 10, my sister was born, my younger sister who's nine years younger. And I was so intent on making it at 8 a.m. for the warm-up because I thought my performance was suffering – you know, at the age of nine and a half because I wasn't getting there early enough for my warm-up. So the next weekend <clears throat> I woke up half an hour earlier and I made sure that I packed the car myself. So the little 10-year-old me is running around organising the family and packing up the newborn just so that we could get there on time. Oh, I've got an absolute vivid memory of that. Hilarious. <laughs> Do you still do that kind of organisational thing? Do you still have yep. that in you? It's an asset for an athlete. Absolutely, yeah. And I had to. I think it, it helped me get through school and study and balancing sport and yeah and, uh, and study How at, does that at a high help? level. Because we've only uh, – Gigi just started high school this year, so she's on the other side of the new year. She'll be 13, so she's just finishing grade seven this year. So I'm just thinking, when you as a kid, how do you see balancing that amount of extracurricular activity versus your study? Like, how did you manage it? I'm asking as a as a step parent, <laughs> what do I do? Yeah, yeah, no, it's oh, it's a great it's a great question, and uh, I think there's a lot. It's a probably a little bit harder these days, perhaps with um, with maybe increased pressure at school with kids. I'm not sure, but I. Um, 
I used to train every day after school and one of my coaches was based out at ES Marksfield and I grew up in Eastwood, which is in the middle of Sydney. And so I used to have to catch a bus and train and go over the other side of Sydney and sometimes wouldn't get home till nine o'clock. And I think, I think it's great for kids uh, going through high school to have that extracurricular activity. They spend so much time at school the last thing that they should be doing is coming home and sitting down again and studying for two hours. You know, there is so much to be learnt from the discipline, um, the capacity to have to be um, agile and flexible in your thought processes, in your, you know, strategies. All There are so many underrated things that are developed in sport um, that you, you might not see straight away in, in the straight-up intelligence tests, but what becomes ingrained as you do it, you know, throughout the teenage years is absolutely priceless. And the physical literacy that comes along with that in learning, feeling, understanding your body, learning how to be fit, stay fit, um, coordinate your body through those pivotal development years. And I'm probably tapping into a little bit of my... I guess, health background, physio knowledge here when I'm talking, but it's all one in the same. Well, you, you're looking my, back My on, experience, yeah. My but you're ex- able to now uh, verbalise your experience. Absolutely. Uh, through what you were looking back at what happened when you were 15, 16, you're able to go, oh, that's what I was doing. Inter- yeah. Physical literacy, that's a really interesting concept. I've Absolutely. I've heard of it before. Yeah. So the ability to know and understand your body and understand the impact of what what you do with your body in space and and how to how to take your body to, you know, ex- its, its limits essentially um, or not even its limits but how to, how to exercise, how to understand movement, how to implicate movement. Um, and a lot of kids, if they're too spoon-fed at school just with school-driven activities or just with um, structured activities that they're not choosing to do themselves or have to um, pull out their own motivation, then once they leave school... They, they drop it all together because it's always externally motivated. Um, so speaking from my, my background and my experience, it was, it, just all, it was an internal drive. It came from my thirst and my um, you know, innate passion to want to exhaust every capacity of my human body to become an athlete. And Rachel did become a professional athlete, but in order to achieve that goal... Rachel had to face a difficult reality. I realised that I'm not physiologically suited to be a top-level track and field track athlete. And that was the bottom line. I had every other asset to be a top athlete. I knew that within, within me. And I had that, you know, indomitable desire, the drive. But I was barking up the wrong tree. What was that so, day like that you... But it, was it a quick thing or did it dawn on you slowly? It, it, it grumbled, yeah, dawned on me slowly. But then I, en- I ended up putting a lot more emphasis on my career and once I graduated and I used my networks within sport to, you know, I started working, um, you know, the sports institutes um, with, you know, school kids with rowing programs and school kids with football programs and Sydney Swans and... As a physio? Yeah, yeah, as a physio. So I had some really, really good mentors and I did a bit of work with Australian polo players and I I kept it quite diverse. But 
I thought, or oh, maybe I can just fill the void with being an Olympic physio. Um, so that was the path that I went down and I was still keeping fit and, and trying, to, trying to run and I thought maybe I'll step it up and do middle distance running. And then, of course, got injured. <laughs> <laughs> and in the meantime, I, a rower came into my life, a male rower who had been to the Olympics twice, world champion. And he convinced me to jump in a boat and have a row. So I did. And I ended up rowing for a year. I raced and then uh, down at Mossman Rowing Club. And that was, that was probably, you know, the ignition. That really ignited the fire. It made me realise that I was absolutely more an endurance athlete. And it gave me the skills and confidence, the fact that I could transfer my skills and ability and hard work ethic and drive and all of those non-measurable assets and put them into something else, which wasn't athletics. So I had a new lease of life. I was thought, wow, this is amazing. But then after the year, I realised, you know, actually it's going to take 10 years to refine the skill of rowing to become an Olympian. And... So I, uh, so I left the rowing behind. But in that, I became highly skilled as a rowing physio. <laughs> so you can see that the lines keep crossing yeah. over and there's, there's conversations and convolutions of what's happening here. And I'm now physioing for the Australian rowing team. And this is 2007. I've been a physio for... This is my fourth year graduated and I'm 25 or just turned 25 and I go down to Canberra and start working with, you know, the world's, some of the world's best or Australia's best athletes and best rowers, travelled to Europe, which opened up my eyes even further and uh, worked with the Australian rowing team in, for a few months in Europe in 2007, did the world championships with them and that was when the penny dropped. That's when I really knew that I was on the wrong side of the fence. Oh, what's the penny drop moment? The penny when you drop, said, I'm on the wrong side of the fence. This was told to me. Um, I was in Switzerland. <laughs> I went down after the rowing trip finished. I had three days before my flight home and I went down to the lakes in Switzerland, Interlaken, and randomly... Shit view down there. Oh, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and this was one of my... It's I'd like been to Europe once before, but, at, you know, my eyes were just... I was just in yeah. awe. Switzerland's So glorious. I don't know if it was the Swiss air possibly had something to do with it, the mm. mountain air. But nonetheless, I rented a mountain bike and I rode, I just took myself off for the day and just got lost riding around this lake. I stopped and I put the bike on the side of the lake, laid on the grass, looked up at the sky and that was the moment. And I just said, I am going to change my life. I know I need to find my sport. I need to find my perfect match. I need to go after it now. It's now or never because I was 25 and I knew that it was either cycling or triathlon because running was out of the question, rowing was out of the question and it needed to be an endurance sport and it needed to be a sport that was suited to advantages of, you know, power to weight and sort of effort reward. So I came home, was up late, jet lagged, 
and I Googled Australian women's cycling talent transfer programs just to see what might be out there. This is for talent transfer, you think, like how could we get athletes from one discipline and move them over to another? Yeah, because okay. I'd heard there was one guy, you know, and I, I sort of knew that there were things happening in that space that the Australian Sports Commission were doing, running a few of these programs. And there was a guy that I met in Europe who was a rower who'd gone to cycling. You know, he popped up at one of the rowing meets in his cycling gear and I thought that was that was pretty cool. So, so I Googled and... Um, the first Google search result, I'm not kidding you, came up, South Australian Sports Institute, women aged 18 to 25, endurance sports, looking to transfer to another sport, recruiting now, apply here. And I nearly fell off my chair, for one. Then I got to work and did my application. Three weeks later... That night? That night, straight wow. away. That night, I and then I booked my flights to Adelaide. I flew down, I did the physiology testing. I talked to the coaches. I flew back to Germany to do the world championships with rowing, training, running up and down the hotel stairwell for the second part of the, <laughs> the test. And came back to Adelaide, did the final round of the testing, spoke to the head coach down there and he said, oh, you know, we think you might have something to work with. And that was it. Then I found a place to live and two weeks later I moved down to Adelaide. What a display of grit, of determination and a display of just a lack of ego, basically. She knew what she wanted and she did what she could to get there, which is a theme throughout her life, it seems. We are going to get uh, back to Rachel in just a moment. Before we get back to our conversation there, let me tell you we're getting on the road we're coming to Melbourne on April the 3rd and Brisbane on April the 22nd. Melbourne tickets on sale right now. Brisbane tickets on sale March 8th. Tickets are available at osherginsberg.com. We'd love to see you. Uh, love to see you live. Melbourne and Brisbane at the moment will work on Sydney shows next run. Uh, but if you do want to support the show, if you like the show and you, you want to be a part of helping us all put food in the fridge and, and money in the mortgage or rent, depending on where we are, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash osher. For as little as five bucks a month, you get access to an ad-free feed, an ad-free version of the show. And um, yeah, we'd love to get your support. Grateful very much to those who've already signed up. Get around it. It allows you to give back to the show if you'd like to give back to the show. And um, yeah, you get to hear a show with no ads and it helps us keep the lights on, which is fantastic. We'll be back with Rachel Nalen in just a moment. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
today we're speaking with professional road cyclist Rachel Nalen, who represented Australia at the Rio Olympics in 2016. And I asked her, what was she chasing wearing that green and gold? It's that moment of pure bliss when you're not even thinking and you're in a race or you're in a performance and you're in that zone, you're in the flow, you're absolutely in the flow state. And I, you know, it doesn't come around every single race and you have to put your your mind, body and your soul in alignment to be able to get into that space. But the 2012 World Championships was probably my best memory of just being completely, um, completely in the zone, completely in flow and did not feel pain. It's extraordinary. You, you think back and, and people say, oh, what was it like, you know, attacking Marianne Voss on the Cowberg at the end, final lap of the world championships? And I say, well, I, I didn't think. It was, you know, it becomes autonomous. And when you're in that, you're in that state you just let every innate desire just flow through your actions and you don't think, and it's beautiful. And I had that, you know, in the 2014 World Championships when I attacked and, and went solo to help our team member, Tiffany Cromwell. I had it in the 2015 World Championships last year in Richmond when I had an, another solo breakaway and was in the in the breakaway until two kilometers to go it's it's that untouchable feeling that so many athletes can report and you know speak about it afterwards but it's it's a really hard thing to describe it's it's bliss it's when uh, the it's i've heard it described the flow state you describe i've heard it described as when uh, our conscious brain thinks something like twenty thousand times slower than our unconscious brain but when our unconscious brain takes over, like when you said when things become autonomous, an example would be reversing out of the driveway in a brand new car the day after you get your peas, all right? You have everything on high alert. You're checking every mirror. You're trying to, you know, do the clutch right. You're trying to think of 77 different things so you don't scrape the car as you go out the driveway to reverse. Fast forward eight years when you've done that a few thousand times, you're having a phone conversation while fiddling with the stereo doing the same thing because all of those actions are automatic. All right? Great and, example. And you're yep. left, the rest of your brain is left to do other things. So you're talking about putting in the time and the effort and, and getting your body to a state where the body just goes, oh, I know what to do here. You, you're fine, you do your thing. And, and, and your, your body's taking care of, of all these things that otherwise take conscious effort to do because you've pushed through those stages of, of, of effort and pain and and, you know, feeling your body switch fuel supplies, you know, feeling the... Absolutely. ...running out of glycogen, knowing what that feels like, knowing, like, okay, this is just the wall. I know the wall, the wall's good, you know. Embracing hey, honey, it. Welcome back. Oh, this is Frank, by the way. This is our dog. Hi, Frankie. He's an excited, he's an excited young guy. He just turned one. He's super happy to be here. <laughs> happy birthday, Frankie. Um, yeah, but I think, I think um, it's... It took me a long time to get there because I was such a foreigner to cycling yeah. and I was so clunky and, you know, thinking about the clutch and the accelerator and the, and the brakes and the, and the indicators and the hazard light, you know, I had no idea how to race. I didn't know how to ride a bike when I started cycling. Being in an elite sport 
that has so many people competing in it, particularly when you're um, talking about, for example, the European cycling season. And there's so many teams, there's so many riders on so many teams. Just this, just mathematically, you are going to have more days by the end of your career. There'll be more times you've lost than the times you've won. That's just it. You know, if there's a hundred races, you're not going to win a hundred races. If there's a hundred races, you you might win two, and they're the ones everyone goes, "Fuck yeah, you did it, you did it, you did it." So I'm I'm guessing you've you've learned more about. What have you learned about what it is to not win a race rather than what it is to win a race? Because I'm guessing if by dealing with the not winning is how it defines you, right? Absolutely. Uh, I, there's not a day that I don't learn. <laughs> well, that's I good. Guess I, I guess I'm, I always raise the bar and I'm always hard on myself, so I'm always learning. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, how can I do that? How can I have done that better? How can I do this better? Um, and I guess that's the nature of an elite athlete and that's the way that we're wired the way we are. You know, we're type A high achievers and we don't settle for second best. But the process of all of those knockbacks and all of those crashes and all of those injuries and all of those situations where I've had to dig deep and, and, and you know, um, work on using that enormous resilience muscle has, you know, has taught me far more than the times that I've stood on the podium with my arms in the air. And that line right there is why I'm so stoked that Rachel came on our show. We learn more from our failures than from our successes. And that is such an important thing because we generally, in, in this time when we only ever post the victory shot on Instagram or we only ever see the achievement moment on social media, the learning and the lessons that you carry with you for the rest of your life come from the failure. And hearing Rachel put that in those terms were just brilliant. Rachel is still a professional cyclist. She now rides for the UCI Women's Continental Team, uh, Park Hotel Valkenburg, which is always fun to say. You can find her online. She's at Rachel Nalen, R-A-C-H-E-L-N-E-Y-L-A-N. And if you want to listen to that full conversation, scroll on back and find Rachel Nalen here in this very, very podcast feed. I certainly hope that you take something away there from Rachel. I guess the thing we could take away there is that it, it might take you a while and you might have to take a unique path, but you you can get where you want to go. And, and that's a benefit. That's the thing of doing this show for so long. We've got hundreds of interviews and they it's a similar formula. I've got to say, it's a similar formula. And I'm so grateful to hear it from every aspect and every angle from people from all walks of life. Once again, if you'd like to come and um, see us, we'd love to see you. We're making four live podcasts, two in Melbourne, two in Brisbane. So there's a different guest. We're doing two shows a day, Melbourne and in Brisbane, and both shows are different guests. So you can get tickets to both shows. Come along, give yourself a, like a 40-minute interval, go outside, have a snack, come back in, another guest, another show. Be brilliant. Melbourne, April 3rd, Brisbane, April 22nd. We would absolutely love to see you. Melbourne tickets on sale now. Brisbane tickets March 8th. Osherginsburg.com is where you get them. And patreon.com slash osher if you'd like to support the show for as little as five bucks a month. If if you think, if you met me and we were standing next to each other at a smoothie bar and you went, you know what, your podcast, I'm going to buy your smoothie today. I mean, let's be honest, there's no $5 smoothies in the world. <laughs> but a cup of coffee, five bucks. If you'd buy me a cup of coffee as a thank you, then consider that, please. 
patreon.com slash osho and in return you get an ad-free version of the show. There's a few more tiers above that if you want to get involved. They're all there. Patreon.com slash osho. I'll talk to you on Friday. I hope you get your tickets to the live shows. Love to see you. Love to see you in person again. It's been way too long. All right. I'll talk to you Friday. Thanks for Bree for making this show. Andy Ma on audio. Rachel Barrett, the executive producer of Absolutely Everything and the master of my life. And uh, Toe Hider on the music. Until we speak on Friday, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.